Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. Last week we had a, just a fantastic Easter gathering. It was amazing. I mean, confetti cannons going off, dancers. And, and we talked about hope. and. And it's a great Sunday to talk about hope because, I mean, the fact that the tomb is empty, all bets are off, and that just when you think, like, death has the final word, God shows up and says, no, it doesn't. And so we talked about the fact that we have a living hope, and this hope isn't just for when we die. This hope is for while we live. And I thought, you know, a great follow-up to this message of hope is to learn how to live in that hope expectantly. Because as you probably have experienced in your life, there are certain things that, that you feel maybe God has promised you. And you're in this, uh, this place of going, okay, I know God's promised it, but maybe there's the doubt, maybe there's some things that you're wrestling and struggling with. Well, God wants to be invited into every space of your life. And he wants to make that hope actively engaged with whatever it is that you're going through, whatever difficulty, situation, issue, he wants to be involved in it. And he wants that living hope to be a part of it. And so we believe as a church, we're moving into a season where God is calling us to live expectantly. And I believe it's not just for us as a church, but I believe it's for us as people within the church that God is calling us to live expectantly on the things that he's up to with our lives. So I'm going to pray. We're going to get into Luke chapter 24, and we're going to talk about this idea of living expectantly. Father, I thank you so much, God, for all that you're doing through Atmosphere Church. It's so exciting to be a part of something new that you're up to, that you're wanting to do, Lord. And I'm so grateful that you called my wife and I to this valley to 
be a part of all of these amazing people's lives and to really, uh, as Katie put it, to be fam together, to be a family unit. And Lord, I just thank you uh, for this message and how you're going to use it to inspire us and encourage us and even possibly correct us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I don't know if you guys are big TV movie people. Uh, I'm not really, but one of the things that I'm a sucker for are all the TV shows that end with to be continued. And now I'm an 80s kid. And so, you know, the, the sitcom, we didn't have Netflix where you could just go click to the next episode. We had to wait all week. And then, of course, you would have the, uh, the season finale, right? How many remember Dallas from the 80s? Like, who shot JR? And, and like, you would have to wait months before you found out. And they just, they call them cliffhangers. They just kind of leave you dangling there. And, and uh, uh, of course, now, uh, you know, th- services like Netflix, they- they'll throw the whole season up on, on one, you know, thing like uh, um, Stranger Things. I remember my wife and I sitting down to watch, and I, and I love Stranger Things. Uh, if you don't care for it or, or, or you think there's something wrong with it, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, but I, I love it. I'm a, again, I mean, to me as an 80s kid, it's a, a mix of Gremlins, E.T., and the Goonies all together in one series. So I'm all about it. And, but I learned something when Stranger Things came out. I learned a new term called TV binging. And so one episode would like stop, and then you'd be like, well, what happens next? Well, you don't have to wait anymore. You just like go to the next episode, and then you watch it. And then three days later, um, you know, and, and not a lot of sleep, here you're, you're done. You're like, oh, you, you feel so accomplished. But, but we're entering into that, that TV season for the old school TV shows that they're ending on cliffhangers to try to bait you, to get you ready for the fall, and and even movies do this now, the whole Avengers theme, right? Now that everyone's like, whoa, Endgame's out. It's like, we've been waiting since Thanos snapped his fingers. Like, what's gonna happen next? And, And it's this anticipation that TV producers or movie producers know that kind of gets us. And and what we have in the Bible is we have a cliffhanger. We last week we had Jesus resurrect from the dead. And and he positions himself to where he's like, all right, guys, now let's see what happens next. And so in Luke chapter 24 is where I want to start off. And this is, so Jesus has resurrected. This is almost like a continuation of our talk last week. He's resurrected. He's on the move. And we read after his resurrection what what he's doing here. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the people that are making this decision to follow Jesus. And so obviously they're excited. They were really bummed, but now hope is alive. And it says, and behold, Jesus said, I'm sending forth the promise of my father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. So so not only did Jesus resurrect from the dead, he says, guys, this is just the start. There, There is something coming 
that is even greater than me. Like, you, you were blessed to be around me. Now I'm going to be in you. Like, you're going to be clothed with power. And so there was this promise that was spoken by Jesus to his followers, and then he ascended into heaven. Now, this is different now. Before, they were like, oh, man, you know, it didn't work out the way we thought it would. Now it's different because Jesus has proved himself that his promises are yes and amen, that, that his promises come true. Like, he said he was going to die, and on the third day he would resurrect from that. He did that. So if he did that, and if he's telling us that we're going to be clothed in power to stay in Jerusalem and wait for it, then you know what? We're going to believe this. And they left with great joy, dedicating themselves to continually praying in the temple. So the great joy comes in with the expectation that what Jesus said is going to happen is going to happen. Like, wow, this is like, we're just getting started. Like, now, what's the next thing that's going to happen? Man, Jesus says, this is going to be a super big thing. Now, we're not reading in the, the Gospel of Luke really what happens next, but there's a sequel to Luke. It's called the Book of Acts. And, and so you, you skip through John, and you start reading the Book of Acts, and the Acts of the Apostles are, it's like basically Luke part two. And he's kind of now going to transition and show us the beginning of the church. And this is important for us to get our arms around because I believe that the same way God moved for the followers of Jesus in the book of Acts is the same way God still desires to move in America in Thousand Oaks in 2019. That's the vision we have as a church. So what we read in Acts is very important for our lives. Because the things that we see them doing, God says, I want to see being done in your own life. So in Acts chapter 1, we're reading this like the sequel, right, to Luke. And so he's kind of given us the, the backdrop here. To these, he also presented himself alive, talking about Jesus, after his suffering, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So Jesus wasn't done discipling his followers. So after he resurrected, he was taking time and really allowing them to connect the dots so that they might be able to understand exactly what the kingdom of God was doing and how the kingdom of God was going to be active in their world. It says, in gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised to wait there. So he had already spoken the promise, and now he's saying, wait for it, right? Which, he said, you heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let's fast forward to chapter two, where we read about the promise becoming a reality. When the day of Pentecost had come, and this, before it became a, a, a church kind of holiday or, or celebration, Pentecost was actually a part of the Jewish holiday. Uh, they, they called it the Feast of Weeks, uh, the, the Shavuot, where they would celebrate uh, Many things, but one of the things they would celebrate was the harvest. They would also celebrate the fact that the Torah was given to Moses. And so this was, Pentecost was that celebration, the Feast of Weeks. And it typically would happen 50 days after Passover. So when the day of Pentecost had come, 
They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were clothed in power, the same promise that Jesus had given them that he said, you're going to have to wait for it. And he says, not many days from now this is going to happen. So days have passed. Matter of fact, 10 days. Pentecost, from the time that Jesus had made the appearance and ascended into heaven, there's a 10-day gap. And that gap is what I want to talk about this morning. The gap is really the gap of living expectantly. It's, It's the gap between the promise spoken and the promise delivered. And any time God makes a promise, and you read this throughout the entire Bible, New Testament and Old Testament, that God gives a promise. He speaks a promise to an individual or even to a group of people, and then there's a gap before the promise is delivered. There's always a gap. But see, as human beings, I think the struggle is in the gap. The struggle is in the waiting season. The str- and I'm, I'm imagining that the disciples having great joy when they're leaving, they're pretty pumped. I mean, Jesus just told, hey, I'm going to clothe you with power. This is going to be exciting. And I'm imagining they left going, wow, you know, three days from now, you know, because that seems to be Jesus's number here. Uh, and can you imagine the fourth day? They're like, oh, that didn't happen. Like, wh- wh- what's going on here? And just because God doesn't move on our timetable doesn't mean that there's something there that you're doing wrong. This God has his reasons for rolling out the promises when he does. And I believe a lot of times the gap is more for us than it is for God's kingdom. But for this one in particular, if you want my opinion, I believe God was waiting for the rollout to match Pentecost. And the reasons that I believe he, he waited is because just like they were, celebrating, they were celebrating the law being rolled out by Moses, there was a new law that God was creating through the Holy Spirit being deposited in the hearts of men. This would, was prophesied over many of the, the major and minor prophets in the Old Testament that, that there would come a day, a new covenant would be established by God where he would write his law on the hearts of men. How do you think God did this? Through the Holy Spirit coming into the hearts of men. So to me, it's not a coincidence that the Holy Spirit descended on the hearts of men on the day that they were celebrating the Torah, the law being given to men. It's a a complete mesh up so that we can see the connections that God's saying, I'm up to something with men's hearts so that they don't need some law being told to them because I'm going to speak the law inside of them through the convictions of my spirit living in them. So I don't know, maybe it's not a spiritual reason, maybe there's a physical reason, maybe there's a mental reason that if God were to deliver the promise today, you you wouldn't be quite ready for it mentally. Can you imagine, ladies, if you found out you were pregnant and then the next day you had the baby? Now, some of you ladies would be like, I'll take that. Um, You know, it's like, hey, I don't have to struggle. But I I believe watching my wife, you know, carry three children that there, there is something that, that is being processed besides the baby's development, that there's, there, there's a preparation that is going on for the mother and even the father in that season while the baby is getting ready to be delivered. 
And I believe that when a promise is spoken into our lives, there's a season where God is preparing you to receive it and to to, uh, actually be in a place that you're going to be able to handle it when the promise is delivered. But here's the reality for all of us. None of us in this room like to wait for anything. We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait in traffic. If you like to wait in traffic, you're just... You need prayer, all right? How many of you love to wait in two-hour lines at Disneyland when you go visit that park? It's like, are you kidding me? Like, we go to a doctor. We don't like to wait in the waiting room. I mean, nobody likes to wait. But the reality is, even with technology advances and all the things that we have at our fingertips, it doesn't matter. We still have to wait for things. And there's an impatience that builds up that I think we carry over even to our relationship with God and the things that God is doing inside of us spiritually where it's uncomfortable to wait. It's uncomfortable to to know that God has maybe spoken a word to you that there's better days ahead for your job or your finances and and those better days seem like they're, they're, you know, too behind. You're, you're, you're trying to get caught up and trying to say, man, I, 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 can I ever get ahead financially? Maybe you're single and you're like, I know God's given me a promise that I'm going to have that right person in my life that I'm going to be married to. And that hasn't happened yet. Maybe there's other difficulties that have popped up and you're like, man, I just, I, I don't see a resolution in this, but I'm, I'm just feeling like there is got to be a resolution to this. I feel like God's spoken that there's going to be a resolution to this, but it's just not happening. Welcome to the waiting room. Glad you could make it. And it's not comfortable. But God, I believe through his word, has given us a formula, he's given us a process, he's given us steps that if we're obedient to, that we will be prepared for the promises when they're delivered. And I, I think of that farmer's commercial, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two, right? Have you seen these commercials? Like I feel like in the process that, that I've been in my journey with, with God is that I have, I have been through so many seasons of waiting That God has taught me so many powerful points that I want to be able to share with you practically. Because maybe you came to church this morning and there's something that you're waiting on. There's a promise that you feel like it's got to come. I've prayed over it. I've had people confirm it. But man, it's not happened yet. And man, maybe you think you're in overtime or it's overdue and for some reason it's not coming together. I want you to write these points down because I believe that, that through the, the seasons that God has carried me through that there's something here that we can learn and maybe you can apply to whatever situation you're waiting on. And, and I'm going to make it really easy. I'm, I'm going to give you four points and we're going to use the word wait. And the first one is the W and that is watch and pray, pray and watch. Watch and pray, pray and watch. And, and the reason I say it that way because it seems like when you're waiting that you can become easily distracted and get off course. While you're waiting for something. I don't know how many of you have ever like grabbed your phone to uh, maybe you think of somebody you have to text, but you get on your phone and then somebody texts you and then there's another notification on Instagram and then there's you know somebody else like uh, on Facebook sent you something and then pretty soon you're on your phone going, why did I even get on my phone? I forgot. I was supposed to do something. 
right? I, I think sometimes when you're waiting, you can become easily distracted in that waiting room. And I believe distraction is one of the central uh, strategies that the enemy of your spirit and my spirit has against our lives. That if he can get you out of focus, then he can get you in a position where you never are moving the ball down the field. You're never moving your life closer to the promises being delivered for your life. Distraction is a huge one. The other one is discouragement. And you got to watch out for not just the distraction, but the discouragement. And there's some days that I can wake up, and I had a great day the day before, but for no reason at all, I wake up and I'm just bummed out. Have, have any of you ever been there? And you're like, what is this? Just like, man, I should be like so joyful and happy, but I'm not feeling that right now. And, and the other part of that is division, where if, if he can get into relationships that are in your life and, and start severing those relationships and pulling those relationships away from you, then it can really upset your spirit to where you're just so focused on this relationship that is not healthy that you miss out on the ways that God is trying to download to you the things that you ought to be looking for. So do you gotta watch out. The devil is real. And I don't know if I'm the first person to ever tell you this in your life, but I don't believe you need a pastor or a preacher to tell you this. All you have to do is turn on the news and know that the reason the evil exists in this world is because there's a devil and he's real and he's after you to destroy your life and to destroy as many people's lives around you. Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is dealing with the time in his life that he's in a waiting period. And, and he knows that in that, that waiting period, he needs to be on his game and he needs to get the people around him on his game and he tells his disciples that were close and Jesus came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, so you men cannot keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The, the idea of watching is like, like a, a night watchman. Just like, you know, you, you've gotta be on your A game. You gotta know, you gotta be looking around because there's a devil and he's real and he's after you to see that you don't have the promises of God be delivered for your life and through your life. So you gotta be like that night watchman. But it's, it's not just watching and then praying because it says that the disciples, they stayed in the upper room and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they, stay, they, they continued to pray. And the more that you pray, really the more you're disarming the enemy coming against your life because prayer is that powerful weapon that God has given you to disarm the enemy of anything that he's trying to use against your life to try to come against you to destroy your life. So when you're praying, you're actually coming against demons and principalities and forces that are really trying to create havoc in your life. So when you're praying, you're disarming the devil and all of his principalities against you. Look what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. It says... Devote yourselves to prayer. Keep an alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So Paul's saying, okay, it's not just about watching and praying. It's about praying and watching. Because now that I'm praying, I need to keep alert in it. Like, because, see, when you pray, God is going to show up on scene, and he's going to begin speaking to your heart. He's going to be confirming things like he confirmed to Don and Katie when they stepped out in faith to move from Iowa to come over here. It's like he's going to be going out of his way. But but you're gonna hear these things as you're in a state of praying. 
So with an attitude of thanksgiving, you know what I, I, I love about this? Because it's hard to be bummed out and thankful at the same time. If you've had a bummer of a week, just let me tell you, be more grateful for what's in your life. Because the more grateful you are, the harder it is for you to get bummed out. That's a word for somebody this morning, all right? Psalm 5, verse 3, it says this. It says, in the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. I love that. You know what's so cool about praying in the morning is then you've positioned yourself to be able to hear God throughout your day. I'm not against praying at night, but see, a lot of times we're praying at night and we're going right to sleep. When you're praying in the morning, it's like you, you woke up your spirit and now you're ready. You're looking for God to start moving throughout your day. You're attentive and, and when something happens, you're like, aha, like I see that. I see God in that. Versus praying at the end of the day. So David would say, hey, pray at the beginning of the day because then you have the whole day to watch God move throughout your entire day. Here's the A because i got to move rapidly. A is acknowledging God in all your ways. This is so important in the waiting room to acknowledge God in all of your ways. We like to overcomplicate everything that is in our life. Some of you worse than others. But, but I just think, I had a guy in Vegas, he, he, he called it being baby simple. And he took this idea from being childlike. You know, a three-year-old has no problem when you tell them, hey, what to do. They're not over there, you know, in their crib going, what did mom mean by that? I don't know. And maybe they, she was kind of just having a bad day. Maybe she was trying to sub me and think about this. Like, I call it the paralysis of analysis. That we're so, like, caught up in trying to figure all these things out. And God's like, hey kiss. Keep it simple, saint. You thought I was going to say something else, but keep it simple, saint. Just, hey, if there's something that looks like God and smells like God and confirms things that you already been feeling in your heart, it's probably God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. It says, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Because I live in this baby simple kind of mentality, I attribute a lot of things to God throughout my day. Scotty had a saying, and, and I picked it up, and I started using it called uh, having a God wing moment. And, and I, I, just, I just love having these God wings where you're just like, man, the Lord was right there, and that was cool to be able to acknowledge God in that. Uh, we were visiting the other day, and a guy came over right when I happened to be visiting Scotty, and God was there, and I saw him, and I was like, whoa, Scotty, we just saw God move like that. We want to have God stories, and I believe more of us are having God stories than we realize. But if you can come back and, and sh shake off the paralysis of analysis, and keep it really simple, you're gonna start acknowledging God in the smallest of ways. And when you start forming habits of acknowledging God in the smaller ways, it's gonna be so much easier for you to acknowledge God in the big ways that he's also moving. Okay, can you receive that? The I, immerse yourself in the presence of God. This is, when I mean immerse, this is like what we, what we believe in baptism. Like we're not just gonna squirt water at your face, all right? We're gonna put you under water, some of you, we're gonna hold you under for a few minutes because we've heard stories about you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. We're like, is he gonna do that? No. But I did have one guy in Vegas, true story, that he purposely asked if I would keep him under longer 
because he said he, he'd really been praying about it and he really felt like he needed a cleansing and so he needed to be under that water longer. And I was like, okay, bro, but I've got to tell people what you asked of me because the other people that are watching are going to think I'm trying to drown you right now, all right? So I need to disclose this to everybody. And uh, we did it. And then I pulled him up and he goes, that wasn't long enough. Put me under again. I was like, no, this is good. This is acceptable. Um, but when I'm talking about immersing, that means like we're, we're putting you all the way in the water. Like some of us, we're, we're getting uh, dips of God. But we got to know that, that when you're in that waiting room, when you're in that season of waiting for the promises to be delivered, like God is really wanting you to get a hold of him. And, and the way we do this is through the three W's that we, we preach a lot here and we believe in, this is part of our culture, is the word. It's the first W. It's the word, the word, the word. We have free Bibles today. If you don't have a Bible, some guy, um, a Bakersfield friend of mine, like bought these nice lap, life application Bibles. They're $30. He gave me two cases. He's like, give them away to anybody that needs one. I'm like, that is so generous, man. So the word of God, I mean, because the word of God is able to confirm the things that God is already speaking to you. Because a lot of times while you're waiting, God is wanting to show up on scene and encourage you to continue to wait. So you don't get discouraged while you're waiting. He'll just, he'll give you that little nudge, say, hey, keep going. I've got you. I've got you. And that's what he did with me this week on Monday. I, you know, we came after a, a, a great Easter service. I'm like, man, Lord, now what? And he just gave me this word in Isaiah 60. And I was just like, it was perfect. The Lord's like, Jim, I've got you. I'm moving you. I'm, I'm doing great things in this church. But the word is where that happens. The second W is worship. And I know not everyone here is familiar with what worship is, but, the, you know, worship is like the songs that we sing at the very beginning of our service, and they're songs to God, for God. And there's another song that says, God inhabits the praises of his people, and we really believe that. And I was having even a, a tough day the other day, and, and my head was in all kinds of different spaces, and I put on some worship music. Man, I love Spotify, and I can have a playlist. We even have our own playlist as a church on Spotify. And I put that playlist on, and man, by the second song, man, the tears are flowing, and I'm connecting. There's something powerful about worship. That when you are just singing these songs, making declarations to your soul, something shifts in you. And I believe it's there that the presence of God really is able to saturate every ounce of who you are. And the third W is walking with other believers. It's essential to have some battle buddies in your life. People that at any given moment can throw you a text message and say, man, I'm thinking about you. God gave me this verse to share with you. Or to call you up and say, hey, man, what's going on? I just kind of was praying over you. And I sense like I needed to call you. Are you okay? Or hey, let's go to Starbucks and, and hang out. And, and man, I, I just really feel like uh, you need some encouragement through the things that I know you're going through. I, I call them the fantastic four. You, you have somebody maybe that's a little bit further along than you are spiritually that can be a mentor for you. Maybe somebody a little bit further behind you that you can help mentor and two encouragers on each side of you to help walk you through this situation. If you think about it, you get four of these people around your life, you've just completely shielded yourself and it's gonna be harder for the enemy to come after your life because you've surrounded yourself with people that are walking forward in their faith just like you are. So walking with other believers is essential. How do you find those people? You get in a life group. You find out the ones that you can really 
you know, do life with and, and really have a lot in common. And here's the T. And that is take the steps you know you need to take. I was in a parking lot the other day and I was backing up from the space and I went to go forward after we backed up to, to go uh, in the direction I wanted to go and I hit the gas pedal and just the engine rev. I was like, oh man, the transmission's gone. Not again, right? And I hit it again. And Tara looks over. She's like, babe, you're in neutral. And I'm like, oh, all right. I got to put it in drive. That's what the D stands for. All right, put it in drive and off we went. I learned a principle there. It's, it's easy to live in neutral but think you're living in drive. And, and you, you've got, your, your life is revved up and you're just like, why am I not going anywhere? Because the Lord is calling us to live in drive, not live in neutral. There are things that God is calling us to do, action steps that he's calling you to do, to be faithful in small things so that he can bring you bigger things. This is the, the essence of what faith is. Faith, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen, and it gives us assurance or conviction about things we cannot see. That word assurance or conviction is the key word there because once you know you have the hope that God is up to something, you know that you know, you have that confidence like, oh, God's up to this, then what you do is that conviction sets in, and conviction is the action step behind faith. It's actually the drive of your life that, that actually makes faith what faith really is. See, faith without moving is not really faith at all. So faith is all about being in drive and not in neutral. Does that make sense? Romans chapter 12, I'm gonna read it from the message because I, I love how it says this. It says, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert, servants of the master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians be inventive in hospitality. And I, and I read that, and, and what it's crystal clear to me, and I don't know if it is for you, but there are simple things that God has told us to do, little things. And so many of us want God to do the big things when we haven't even taken the time to do the little things. Be faithful in little things. That means you're full of faith in little things. In other words, you're moving your life in drive with the little things that you already know you should be doing. You should be helpful to other Christians. You, you should be kind to people. You, you should be hospitable to people. There are things, you should be in prayer. These are, these are things that God's saying, I've already told you this, I've already delivered, these are the things you should do. And we're like, God, we want this big thing. He's like, why would I give you a bigger thing when you haven't even accomplished the things I've already told you to do? And here's the promise, if you're able, to wait on the Lord. If you're able to, to go into that waiting room and not be discouraged, not be distracted, not be divided and, and get out and cut yourself short of the promises of God. Isaiah, the prophet, he gives us this prophetic word. He says, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired and they will walk and not become weary. See, the waiting room can actually be an upgrade for your life. That actually, in the waiting room, God is wanting to birth new strength in you. 
to move your life from where it is now to a new level of glory where he can be doing far greater things than you could ever ask or imagine. And worship team, I'll have you come on up as we get ready to close. My encouragement to you is don't leave the waiting room. Your breakthrough, your promise is coming. And there might be spiritual reasons we will never know on this side of heaven and why it hasn't come yet. There, there might be some emotional, there might be some mental reasons why it hasn't come yet. But whether it's been 10 days or whether it's been 10 years, I want to tell you that the hope that was born on Easter Sunday is actively moving in your situation today. That we believe that the book of Acts, the sequel to the book of Luke, is still happening today, that we are living out the book of Acts at Atmosphere Church, and that the same things that God was doing, how he was clothing people in power back in Acts chapter 2, he's still clothing people in power today, and that we believe that God wants to clothe you in power, but it takes a willingness on your part to say, God, I surrender to you, and I want your Holy Spirit to come into my life like he came into the lives of the disciples that day. And he will. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? That he resurrected on the third day? That he resurrected and ascended into heaven after those 40 days? Because not only was Jesus on a mission to get you to heaven, but he was on a mission to get heaven inside of you. That heaven wants to be activated in you right now. To move you into this place where the promises of God can be delivered for your future. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you, God, for the waiting rooms of our lives. When we're in them, it's not comfortable. God, it could be easy just to kind of throw up our hands and say, I, I don't like to wait. But God, I pray that today you would renew our strength in the waiting room. God, you would take us up a new level of strength. That your promises are coming. Your promises are going to be delivered. But God, help us to, to watch and pray and pray and watch. Help us to acknowledge you in all of our ways. Help us to immerse ourselves in your presence and take the steps that you've already told us to take, to live our life and drive. Help us, God, to get to that place so that your promises that we know are true will be delivered in our situations, in our circumstances. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.